pause your heart with me. Kids, adults, seniors, if you're with others right now or if you're isolated on your own, let's just pause and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. God, thank you so much for what we've heard, participated in, experienced so far today. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that even though uh, we're experiencing being the church in this way, it doesn't mean we are not the church. Your church is not bound by walls. So we are scattered, the people of God today. Some of us may be searching for answers, and so we've come to this place. Lord, open our hearts to what you want to say to us and inspire us to live the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> wow. Well, my wife amazes me. She's a really amazing lady. Um, she knits and crochets wonders out of what I would only tie into knots. And so for Easter, she made our kids and our neighbor's daughter uh, these. You can see it on the screen here too, but I actually have it right here. I pilfered it from my daughter, uh, a little chick, and they were a hit, a total hit. Uh, and not to mention that the eggs that they lay are very high in fiber, so they're very good for you. Uh, our youngest daughter drags hers everywhere. She was kind enough to, to share this with me this morning, as long as I bring it back. Um, but one mournful morning this week, uh, the chick disappeared. We didn't know where it had, had gone. And my theory is that it had tired of the loud self-isolation in our home and went to hang out with the quail in the backyard. Not sure if that was true. That's my theory. But Abigail was convinced that her brother had taken it because, of course, that's what brothers do. And he was locked in the bathroom and she was banging away at the door, her whine growing with each ignored knock. Open the door. Give me my chick. Open the door. You perhaps can imagine or experience this yourself. And when that didn't work, when the banging didn't work, she actually went and grabbed the little paper clip that we've bent out and and used to open the lock when someone has accidentally locked the bathroom door with no one in it. And she fiddled and needled, and the whining was growing and growing, uh, combining into a catastrophic cacophony. And I was doing my best in the kitchen to tune it out, because I'm a man, and I'm just tuning things out. And then it hit me. It hit me. This is like prayer. We miss something. We feel like something is out of sorts. We get flustered because of life's unexpected twists and turns. We seek answers, but it seems no one's paying attention. We blame and we lament. And for the record, the brother did not take the chick. It did show up later. All on its own, strangely enough. And so we hammer like a little kid. We hammer on the door behind which God seems to have hidden himself. And we look for a key. And some of us actually sometimes eventually just give up even. In times like we're currently living, prayer comes quicker, doesn't it? I'm finding that. A few weeks ago, the World Evangelical Alliance called for the global church to, fa to fast and pray for times that we're in, and, and we can actually provide you with a link to this really helpful resource if you want to walk that through. Uh, and actually, just this week, I discovered this study from the University of Copenhagen that showed that the internet searches for prayer in every part of the world spiked to five-year highs in March. Now, can you remember what was happening in 2015, if we go back five years ago? In 2015, ISIS was going full throttle and had just attacked Paris and Turkey, and the refugee crisis was overtaking Europe. And 
the study just this past week showed that searches for prayer intensified as soon as a country reported its first COVID-19 case. Well, what were we doing before that? A cry of prayer when life is confusing or in turmoil is expected, it's needed, it's very human. And we're discovering, aren't we, how very shaky the ground is upon which we all live. The fragility of life, the uncertainty of the future, the certainty of morality, the vast array of opinions about what's going on, the exposure of the facades that we have built our lives upon get revealed as cheap movie sets in times like this. When time becomes kairos and the city changes, we pray. Has your prayer life grown these days? What, and other than the advance of something that God is doing, we pray like a six-year-old banging on the door because our world is messy, right? And in a sense, Paul's prayer is reactionary, but it is a reaction to truth and the advance of it. He is praying from a position of wonder because in Christ, the world suddenly makes sense. It is human to pray because our world doesn't make sense. But it is Christian to pray from the place where Paul is beginning here. Paul is praying from a biblical and Christ-centered worldview, from the position of one seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Now, again, remember this little Lego illustration. Those in Christ, and we're going to use this little prisoner guy because that's Paul. Those who are in Christ have been raised up with him above the deceiving powers that swirl and lead us astray, that cause us to live beneath our dignity as those made in the image of God. And we follow the cravings. Down here, we're following the cravings and the passions of our flesh and our minds because we're not paying attention to what God's saying. And there's something blocking and getting in the way. And what God's intention for us is to be led by the power of the Spirit of God. And if we're led from here below, we pray from here below. We pray like our stuffy is lost. We pray and cry out because someone is to blame. And then down here, we start arguing and fighting with one another. We start bickering and complaining. We plead for someone to fix the world the way we want it to be fixed. And we demand that God act according to what we see. And we all do this. I do this. But here's the thing. That is ineffective prayer. Because it starts from the wrong position. Paul is teaching us something profound. Paul is praying for the Ephesians, for these Christians living as enemies of the Roman state where they are seen as adversaries of all that was good about Ephesus, the guardian of Artemis. Paul is praying for these fellow disciples from prison, from the most down here in the muck and mire place, from a position up above it all. Do you notice? Paul is, in, is physically in a reality that is down in the muck and the mire, a prison cell. But he's praying from a spiritual position of being seated up here with Christ in the heavenly places. And so we look back 
at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, you'll discover something really interesting. You'll discover this line. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And remember, we had just read in verse 14, for this reason. So it's interesting because Paul actually began praying back there already. But then between chapter 3, Verses, and then in chapter 3, verses 2 to 13, he took a thought detour. It's kind of as if beginning to pray reminded him to emphasize the truth that Christians aren't just fellow citizens of God's household for their own sakes. No, they are the unlikely communion of opposites through whom God's manifold wisdom is being made known to these principalities and powers, the spiritual forces that bind the world. And having gotten that thought clear, and that was the crazy big thought he was unpacking between verses 2 to 13 of, Ephes of Ephesians chapter 3. Having got that thought clear, he starts again. For the reasons I've outlined, now I pray. For the very hope-filled reason that in Christ the church is one. That we are saved by God's grace and not by our works and deeds. That we are heirs with Christ. That we are given the Holy Spirit. That we are chosen and adopted into the household of God with all the rights and privileges that belong to Jesus. That we are saints for the amazing position that, of authority and hope and expectation and assurance of the reign of God over all that, is, all, all that there is. From this position and for this reason, I pray and I kneel before the Father. See, Christian prayer begins with a different view of the world and its reality altogether. We pray, you see, because we are children of God. We pray because our Father is the one from whom every family, every tribe and tongue, every color and pigment derives its source. He says that in verse 15. We pray because we are proof that God is forming one new human reality. We pray because we don't deserve it, yet we are graced. We pray because we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and there's nothing, not even in the depths of hell or the challenge of this day, that can separate us from the love of God. We pray not like we've lost our knitting or as kittens who've lost their mittens. We pray because we're in the family and the knitting was a gift. And even if we lost it, our heavenly parent has an unending stockpile from which to provide. Do you understand? Indeed, this father of ours can even provide for our brother that we're blaming who's locked himself away. Now let's pray with Paul, shall we? Now, please, somebody, right where you are, read this prayer. Perhaps you have your scriptures open to Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. Here's, you'll see it as well on the screen. And so I'm going to be silent, and I want you to read it out loud. Pray this prayer together where you are right now.
Amen. And maybe that was a little easier when the big bald balloon got out of the way there. Right? So, hey, kids, by the way, just before we continue, those last two verses, verses 20 to 21, those are the ones I want you to make a poster of for your home. So either create your own with some paper you have right now or those sheets that Marissa sent out. Color them because I want you to put those around your home as a declaration of what we're about to talk about. Now, if we pray this prayer, we, we should actually visualize that we're praying it seated beside Jesus, the Son of God. That we pray it not with individuals in mind, but with the people of God, the church in mind. Because remember, Paul wrote this in the isolation of prison. He couldn't see who he was praying for. And we're somewhat in his fetters, aren't we? Paul is praying for the amazing plural mystery that the one people of God, Jew and Gentile, whom Jesus brought together by the sacrifice of himself, we pray this prayer as, commun as a communion of saints who have, an undeservedly, who have undeservedly been blessed and as those who are meant to be a blessing to other peoples, just as Glenn reminded us in that Stephen minister's moment just a while ago. Including, by the way, the sister who's hammering on the door and the parents who's telling you to be quiet. So, we pray this prayer from the position that is ours in Christ, seated up here. And we pray it for the people that we are a part of. For KGF as a whole, for the church in Kelowna, for the people of God in this city of change or wherever it might be that you find yourself in these very changing and challenging days. So, let's now pull out two really profound truths from this prayer. It's a plural prayer, prayed from isolation for people who can't be seen. Number one, Paul prays that we would live with inner spiritual presence and power. It is human to live reacting to our surrounding circumstances. That's, why, that's just what my daughter was doing as she hammered on the door, right? And grown-ups do that too. We all do it. Outer circumstances like COVID can be a wake-up call that we have been living from moment to moment, circumstance to circumstance, paycheck to paycheck, mere shells of humanity, hopeless, powerless. And Paul prays that we would know the endless supply of the Spirit of God in our depths, a limitless power God gives to the saints, to his church, his body, we can be strengthened for life in the city of change when we know this real presence and power of God in our inner person, in our depths, in our souls. Now, when I've been shaken personally and out of sorts, and I have been over the last few weeks at times, I've discovered strength, not by reading another news article or opinion of COVID-19, but in paying attention to the presence and the power of the Spirit of God within me. For my church, for you, I have found strength in knowing that it is precisely in times like this that the Spirit of God is doing powerful things through his people. The presence and the power of the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, is our strength, our hope, our joy. And if the circumstances here below, like in this little Lego thing, if the circumstances here below are my frame of reference for living, I crumble. 
I respond wrongly, I have no answers. If I live from the presence and the power of the richness of God for sinners like us, then I may be in the storm, I'm, but I'm going to stand. I will thrive, and I am hope to those around me. And this presence and power of God is not externally dependent, manufactured or manipulated. It is the internal reality for the Christian. This is what Paul is praying we grasp. And it's a game changer when we grasp it. And Paul's praying a second thing as well. He's praying that we would live rooted in love and have power to understand God's plan. Now, Paul's not talking about love like we often think about it. He's talking about a Greek word, agape, the sacrificial, benevolent love of God that seeks the goodwill of humanity, even those who spit on him and crucified him. The power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The power to grasp this is a miracle. A Christian is rooted deeply in agape. The ecclesia is rooted deeply in agape. The people of God understand that the expansive love of God explodes all our categories. It humbles us all and raises us all to this seat with Christ as fully adopted heirs in the family of God. God's plan in the world is grasped when we are deeply rooted in the love of God and then have power to produce this fullness. Listen, a loveless life is a life without power, without roots. A loveless church is a church without power, without comprehension of who we really are in Christ as the people of God. Paul says in verse 19, the fullness of God. He talks about us knowing and understanding the fullness of God, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's rooted, that term, that phrase is rooted in the Greek reference to a ship that is fully equipped with sailors, rowers, soldiers, freight, and merchandise. It's a whole army of people who have been raised up and have become something other than they were before. You see, it could refer, actually, that term could refer to the whole population of a city. It meant the fully equipped, powerful, ready for what may come, and advancing an on-purpose vessel, being rooted in the lavish and mysterious love of God, the love of the cross, gives power for the church to be the plan of God in the world. Only by the presence, power, and love of God are we fully stocked and equipped to carry forward God's good news and his purposes as a deeply rooted fellowship where we be a gospeling and fellowshipping people. And so from our position with Christ, we pray in the real world with its real challenges. We pray for the spirit-breathed presence and power of God. We pray to be rooted in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. We pray this spiritual certainty into the visible reality of the city of change. We pray for miracles. 
We pray for deliverance. We pray for bigger things than we've yet prayed. We move from praying for the toy we've lost to the sheep who are wandering. We move from praying for our comfort to be restored, for the glory of God to be revealed in the real world. We move from praying for others to make us happy to ways to please our Heavenly Father. We move from praying for normal to praying for the ship to be filled and deployed as those who know the immeasurable love of God. A couple of years ago, I spoke at a men's conference and the men were challenged to write down a big, courageous next step to live out their faith. And I perused all these precious papers that had been filled out by these guys, these awesome men, and they were placed on the platform, and I came across one that was my favorite. And it simply said three words. Do the dishes. I thought, wow, methinks a wife has been praying big prayers for a while. I heard the story from our own church fellowship very early on in this COVID moment that we're in of a family that threw toilet paper over their fence to their neighbor. And the kindness was finally received as a gift from that neighbor and a new conversation and friendship emerged. Methinks someone has been praying big prayers for next door for a while. My Peace and Reconciliation Network colleagues shared a story this week of Christians in Central Asia where they're a persecuted minority. And often they don't get along with the Muslim majority in that nation. As COVID-19 wreaks havoc, these Christians began distributing masks to Muslims. And when the Muslim leaders saw Christians living this way, they apologized for the problems that they've been creating for Christians in that city. Methinks a people have been praying big prayers for what seems impossibly irreconcilable. We pray with Paul in isolation for an ecclesia that knows hope and is hope, that knows power and is power, that knows Jesus and makes him known. We never give up in freedom what was never given up in persecution. We pray. We finally, really, powerfully pray. I love when little kids pray because they pray unfettered big prayers, don't they? And I've been asking our little door knocker to pray at our mealtimes, and her hammering prayers are wonderfully huge and humbling. This is almost a direct quote. Dear Father, I pray that the coronavirus would stop and that all doctors and nurses would be well and for everyone in the whole world. <laughs> now there's something in that which calls me to imagine much more. And Paul is the grown-up in prison. And he blesses with great expectation. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now in Acts chapter 26, Paul stood before King Agrippa on trial. It was the beginning of the events that would lead him to prison. And Paul, who had experienced the power of what he is now writing to the Ephesians, challenges the king and his court with these words. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Yeah, why? Have you ever wondered that? 
If the God you believe in can't raise the dead, then what kind of God is he? The God revealed in scripture is the God who raises the dead, who rules everything, including the grave. And if this power is now the position and the possession of every Jewish and Gentile believer, if this authority is given to you, if this is the authority from which we pray, then we can also praise God and trust that he can do more than we can ask or imagine that he will build his church in the face of the greatest hells, that he will do all this through all generations, in all cities of change, in all crises, that his glory will be revealed in this time, in this moment, in this time forever and ever. Amen. And so think about it. This God, whose presence and power dwells in your inner being by the Spirit, this God who roots us in his love, this God who calls us chosen, adopted, and full heirs, this God who makes us his own family, his ecclesia, this God who seats us with Christ in the heavenly places, this God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. So what's the biggest prayer, the most childlike prayer that you can think of right now? Take it up a notch. Worship up a notch. Does that scare you? Does it awaken you? Does that change how you knock on the door? Now, kids, I hope you made that poster of those powerful, incredible words. Hang it somewhere in your home. Love to see some pictures, too. Send them into our to our church office so that we can see some of these amazing artworks that you've created. But hang these around your house and call the big people to this bigger reality. All right, church, now it's time to pray. We didn't pray together earlier on. You may have noticed we're going to pray right now. We're going to practice this. Message in some of your big prayers that you're praying today on the online chat. Uh, what up-a-notch prayer has been growing in you, and you've maybe even been too scared, too down here to pray it. From where you're seated with Christ, up here, let's pray. Would you turn toward one another, maybe in silence, maybe you need to shout it out, maybe you need to get down on your knees, maybe you need to stand from where you are, spend some time together right now, and take some big prayers.
Our Heavenly Father, you are the one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I feel so often like I'm one of the disciples trailing in behind you through Galilee, saying, Lord, increase my faith. My faith's so small. Lord, some of us have prayed some really big prayers today that we've been afraid to pray for a while. We might even be afraid that you'll actually answer because we've settled in to a life that needs change, but we don't want it to. And yet there's something deep in us that's crying out for a new reality, for presence and power, for the end of confusion, for that child to give themselves to Jesus, for that healing to come, for the understanding of what it means to be your people in a neighborhood, to figure out what to do with that broken relationship, to know how to be the people of God when we're in this season and the opinions are all over the place. Oh God, you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. It does not surprise us that you can raise the dead because it's who you are. You are life. You are love. You are power. You are good. And so God, just with great humility, I hold the prayers of the saints to you. And we lift them up. We say, God, have your way. Bring glory to your name. Do more than we can ask or imagine. And may your name be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.